Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Hey, it's Rob here. Welcome to this special episode of the podcast, which is really a review of my uh, post-ACT, uh, race across ACT from the southern border to the northern border. So on Wednesday last week, the 21st of June, we established uh, a new fastest known time record from the southern point of the ACT to the northern border, 102 kilometres, a shy under 102 kilometres um, in 10 hours, 6 minutes and, sorry, 8 minutes and 16 seconds. Now, this podcast is for you if you are like an ultra runner and you're looking to do like a long run and learn how to do the logistics or the planning or the crewing or the fueling. If you're looking to crew somebody, say you're crewing at a 100 mile race, 100k race, a track race, or maybe an on the road race like Costa Cozy or even a multi day race, you're going to get a lot out of this episode uh, to learn kind of the background and what to, to expect as a crew and how to serve your runner the best. If you're just interested, in what it took to put this uh, event together and what we're planning for the future, there's a lot more than I ever imagined was involved. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you're going to learn a lot today. today. So <clears throat> strap yourself in. I'm going to take you through a lot of the stats, which I'm not really that interested in, to be honest. <laughs> but I know some people are really keen on paces and elevations and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go through all that kind of stuff with you. And then I'm going to talk about how it all came together to make the event the massive success that it was. Um, and by success, I measure that through um, people inspired. Basically, we inspired so many more people than I ever would have expected in my life. And if there's one thing I've learned from this podcast that you're listening to now, however you came to find it or it found you, and from my social media, which I used to despise social media. I still have a love-hate relationship with it. But I'm learning how to use it to help people who are looking for something um, to help them get better at running or better in life. And just this weekend, like two days ago, uh, I was at a party and two people who I'd never met before in my life came up to me and said, one of them said, I listened to a podcast episode. It was the interview with Jay Gaffey, who's my uh, project manager and my logistics manager, who's also won Ultraman Australia last year, the um, double Ironman triathlon. She's a multi-finisher of Ironman and represented Australia at uh, triathlon. And she's going to the world champs again uh, in Finland next month. But she heard this, this person told me she heard this interview with Jay Gaffey was completely inspired and it, it's inspired her to get out there and do triathlon. And I, I was blown away that little introverted Rob, who all he ever wanted to do was keep to himself and run himself and, you know, maybe complete some big challenges that no one would ever know about, um, has actually helped one or two people on the journey. And there were two people at that, pot, um, at that party. The other um, girl came up to me and said, I saw... Uh, Instagram post that I had, she saw an Instagram post that I had done, which um, inspired her to get out and run in some horrible weather, which she never would have gone running in um, unless, you know, until she saw my post. So why I'm telling you that is I never started this (laughs) to make it as, as big as it's become, but I can see now how important it is that that gift that you've got, that you're holding back, that I held back for so many years, um, 
that I'm now currently sharing, I'm learning how people benefit from me opening up and sharing what I do from a runner and as a, you know, mindset coach and, you know, as a father and, and you know, an athlete kind of balancing all this stuff in my life and, and sharing it. It is actually benefiting people's lives and you know on the run through ACT I had people come out and join me who um I'd never met before or who I'd met once and um they'd come out and they'd spend a few kilometers with me on the on the trail and 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 chat with me and I had two fire stations come out and support me I've been a fire for 23 years but Belconnen Fire and Rescue Gungarland Fire and Rescue came out because they heard about what I was doing they brought the truck out and um you know, it's pretty overwhelming for me, to be honest, of all the people who have come together, um, not just for me, for this cause and for the enjoyment and the growth that, that we're all getting out of putting this together. So let's do some stats first and um, I'll get into it so you get so you get an idea of what it, what this took. So like I said, just under 102 kilometers, 10 hours, 8 minutes, 16 seconds. So that's an average of 5 minutes, 59 kilometers. Now, interestingly enough, if you are thinking about how to pace your next ultra, so I did a 14-1 run-walk strategy. Now, Martin Fry is the absolute king of this. He has developed these run-walk strategies over years and years and years of track racing, of so 24-hour, 48-hour track racing, six-day races, multi-day races. And he's put together these ratios that he teaches us who are in his coaching squad, and we practice them. I practice my walking speed in my um, training to get my walking speed up. If you can get that walking speed up, you, you are really increasing your average race pace. So if you're doing a long race, even if you're doing your first marathon and you want to you want to um, maintain uh, a good average kilometer pace or if you're stepping up to 100K, 100 milers, that run-walk strategy is a must in your tool belt. And if you think it's going to slow you down, I'm going to just say it black and white. It is not. Martin Fryer set a world record running 433 kilometers in 48 hours through a run-walk strategy. Mick Thwaites did all of his incredible, look up his results, run-walk strategy. Joe Ward, the same, and so many ultra runners do it. And if you practice it, when you stop your 14-minute run and you get into your one-minute walk or your two-minute walk or whatever you're going to do, six laps of running, one lap of walking, whatever you decide works for you, you change your gait, you stretch out your legs and your muscles in a marching walk. It's not an amble at all. Your walk is a march and that is what mixes up your running gait and prevents those repetitive injuries that sometimes you can develop when you're out there for a long ultra. So I started with a 14 run. Of course, I vary that on the course. So there was 1,395 meters of elevation gain on the run and 1,900 meters of elevation loss. Now, all of that was in the first 50K. So it was very hilly, those first 50Ks. A lot of climbing and a lot of descending. That's where you let the terrain dictate the pace. Something that I learned early on from a mentor in ultra running. So even though I'm doing a 14-1, that's my plan. If I, if I finish my 14 minutes and I'm at the top of a steep de- decline, I'm not going to walk the decline. I'm going to run it to get the extra benefit from that speed. And so I'll wait for a next hill and I'll march up the hill. 
So just think about incorporating this into your long running. It will change everything for you. It'll make your legs feel fresher. It won't lower your average pace over such a long distance, and it'll make you enjoy running a lot, lot more. Let's talk quickly about facts around nutrition. Now, I've been working with Lauren Nash from The Fight Dietitian. You can find her on Instagram at The XFit Dietitian. She works a lot with CrossFit athletes, with triathletes, with ultra runners, and with runners in general. Now, Lauren has come in and dialed my nutrition right in from where it was in the previous 12 years of ultra running. So we worked, we've been working on getting my um, grams of carbohydrates up during my running intake. Now, I've been training with Lauren now for three months, and over that time, we've worked up to a 90 gram of carb per hour strategy. So over these um, 10 hours, I had 876 grams of carbs. So a little under 90 grams of carbs, remembering that you st- I have a big breakfast before I start running, and that that first hour is really looked after by that breakfast as well. So really happy with how the nutrition went during the run. One of the low points um, and one of the improvements points we've got is my pre-race carb loading, which I'm already talking to Lauren about, which I didn't get right this time, um, basically because um, I went back to what I normally eat pre-race, uh, and Lauren and I have not worked on that yet, uh, but we need to because um, my my stomach had a few issues late in the race, and it was because of what I'd eaten uh, in the two days before. But but the intra-race nutrition was spot on and I'm so stoked with it. I probably had 25% more grams of carbs per hour than I did in Costa Cozzi last year, uh, which is a big intake extra. If you're going from around 60 to 65 grams of carbs per hour up to 90, which I did. So really happy with that. Fluid, six liters across the day. Doesn't sound like much. Remembering we started at minus 6.5 degrees. So to give you an idea, in the first three or four hours, I, I was having, I had a soft flask in my hand with some coda electrolyte in it. That's what I was using. I'd take a sip and I'd run for a minute or so. And when I put the bottle to my mouth again, the, the, the top of the bottle was frozen. So, so I bit through the ice, had another swig, put it down again. So when your sweat rate is really down when it's minus 6.5, actually the temperature, the cruise of the temperature dropped to minus 8 when we got out of the forest as well. So I'm normally looking around that litre per hour, but it was so cold and I was not losing any um, sweat. But again, it's still something to flag that I, that I got 6 litres over 10 hours um, and the crew, to be honest, are not happy with me for not having, um, not getting that litre in per hour. But again, these are all takeaways. It's so important that you do a post-race review whenever you do even just a, a long run. Learning, learning, learning all the time uh, from, from what you're doing, putting in. Uh, average heart rate, 129 beats per minute. Just for those of you who like that kind of zone heart rate stuff. Um, so that, that was over the entirety of the run. I want to talk about the planning. If you're interested in how you plan a race like this, there is so much more that goes into it. And think about if you're planning for an ultra marathon or a marathon or you're traveling somewhere to to run a new trail race or a new marathon or something that you don't currently know. Let's let me take you through some of the logistics planning. So 
one of my friends used to say, everything in life happens twice. When you imagine it in your mind and then when it becomes a reality. So this inception of the race across ACT was a warm-up race for our race across New South Wales in September. Now really, what we wanted to do here was to put together a practice event to test our logistics, nutrition, race kit, all the organising um, to, to, to get our system dialed in for the race across New South Wales and bigger races coming up um, in the next couple of years. So let's start with picking the route. People these days only notice you if you're doing something out pretty extraordinary, right? So it's hard to, to get noticed if you're um, you know, trying to raise awareness for some cause unless you go and do something crazy or something kind of interesting to people. Now, running across a state is interesting to people, and so is running across, a, you know, ACT. It's, it's not a massive, um, massive thing compared to what some ultra runners are doing, but it is kind of interesting. So we picked the route, and I had a look at the initial route, but luckily, we've got one of my team, Ben Gaffey, who is an incredible uh, person in so many different ways, but he looked at the route, he changed it, and he picked a route, he, he constructed a route from the southern tip to the northern border that didn't put us on any roads once we went through the Canberra um, city itself, from Tuggeranong to Gungahlin. Ben had us on bike paths the entire way, which was incredible for our safety, um, for our enjoyment, uh, I've got, of course had to cross some of the major roads, but sometimes there were underpasses or walkways over the par- over the road. So Ben constructed that route, and it was a game changer for me to not have to worry about it. Now, thinking about the next step of that, wrecking the route, because seeing it on a map is one thing, but wrecking it uh, and getting the little little nuances from the route about, oh, there's a dirt path there, but there's a bitumen path on that turn. It's better to take that. We can go this way around this this um, uh, shopping centre. We, we can go this way, and it's a, just a little bit quicker. Or there's a shortcut that goes between those two buildings, but doesn't show up on the map. And this is what my crew did the days before it. They drove as much as the course as they could, and they cycled the rest of it, even up to the night before they were out, with chalk marking those critical turn points for me so that I didn't get lost and didn't um, wreck everything that we've created. Um, my job is the runner. My job is to stay fit and strong and healthy and fueled and hydrated and happy <laughs> enough to execute the race plan. And if I don't, if I fall off the, the route somehow um, from taking a wrong turn, then I put the whole the whole cause in jeopardy. So they support me in every way they can, including cycling um, out until dark the night before we actually did it in a freezing Canberra cold. So just incidentally, we had the coldest morning in Canberra in 35 years, um, which was really good for me because cold's always been my kryptonite and I actually got to um, I got to deal with that and, and get that monkey off my back. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what it takes to plan a route. So, so if you're going to do a race, Get to know the race route. Um, and if you can drive some of it or look at it on Google Street View or get out there and run it over you know, multiple weekends planning or cycle it or somehow, that'll give you a huge advantage. And, and you see it, pe- people who go back and do um, the same race um, numerous times, 
Their time comes down merely through knowing that course, the confidence and knowing how far you've got to go, knowing where the next turn off is, knowing that it's, you know how when you drive somewhere for the first time, it seems to take longer because your mind's taking all this information, you don't actually know where it is. But the second time you drive it, or even on the return journey, it just seems to be quicker. That's the same in ultra running and in running. <laughs> if you can run that course and, and you can take it in and get familiar with it, it really, really, really adds, um, uh, adds a difference to your race experience. That's a good example. When I did the, the Lakes 100 on the north coast of New South Wales last year, I drove as much as I could on the day before the race and ran the bits that I couldn't the day before just to um, just to get familiar with where those critical turns were and what the terrain was like, so what shoes I should wear and all that kind of stuff. I reckon in you know three or four hours the day before the race, I covered around about 60 to 70% of that course, which was a real benefit for me. Um, you know, And I was able to secure second place there. And I, I really reckon it's because I knew a lot of um, the terrain and the, and the course around that. So that's just an example of what my crew did for me and what you can do uh, leading up to a race. Um, testing your running gear before race day. I know everyone says it, but it's really important that you actually do it. So put aside your start bag, put aside the shoes you're going to wear, everything you're going to wear, socks, everything, right down to the headlamp, make sure the batteries work, Make sure your safety vest is working. Make sure your reflective red light, if you have to run with them, like at Costa Cozy now, we have to run with a flashing reflective um, red light behind you. Test it all and then have it packed really well so your crew can find everything if you need it. If you want to look at how I pack um, for my race, there's an Instagram. You go to my Instagram, I actually take you through a complete video on all of the race packing, the boxes, how I lay it all out so you can see it for yourself. But test everything. You don't want to wear a shirt for the first time and then realize, you know, after 20 minutes, it's going to give you nipple chafers or something like that. So make sure you've got all that stuff preloaded, pre-prepared, so you're confident in your gear. Run with your running pack. Wear all of the stuff that you're going to wear on race day, just so you're familiar with it. It's really inexcusable to have a gear failure, unless it's a, you know, like a something out of your control. But to, to have something that you could have pre-planned with and you didn't is really rookie stuff. So really get out there and run with it. Even if you just take in your full race kit for a two or three kilometer run a few times, just to test it, make sure that, that pack's not chafing you or make sure the bottles aren't hurting your chest in those front packs and those kind of things. All right, moving on. Crewing. I have the most incredible crew in imaginable so much enthusiasm so much knowledge so much experience in in logistics and in ultra running and in um, <laughs> endurance racing and just the best bunch of people um, but these crew take it a step further they know their position in the crew so I was lucky to have four crew with me Jay Bex Jeff and Roche, who came out. Now, Roche is a drone pilot and a photographer who has taken some extraordinary pictures, and I can't wait to put it together into a um, into a film, short film about what we did. Um, Jeff, who who is an exceptional cyclist and triathlete from Kiama, he came out to crew for the first time. Now, Jay and Bex have done it before, and they got this crew like clockwork. They give the crew a position. So, who when they're going to do a aid station? So they drive five k down the road. And I come up to them, um, 
They know who's standing in line and what each crew member is doing. So if you're going to coast a cozy to crew, make sure your crew has a role. For example, who's collecting rubbish? Who's giving hydration? Who's giving nutrition? Who's taking extra needs or requests from the runner? Who's going to be the driver? Who's going to be the crew chief that's going to make the critical calls on the road when needed? So make sure everybody knows what their role is. Who's taking, for example, who's going to take the video? Who's going to <clears throat> update the race director with the position and the, and the status of the athlete? All these kind of things have to be worked out and planned. Who's taking notes on what nutrition the athlete is having? So the reason I can tell you I had 876 grams of carbs, 6 liters of fluid, and um, you know such and such uh, pills along the way is because my crew has a checklist, and every hour they know to hand me a bag of um, 40 grams of carbs from whatever I'm eating, dates or Anzac biscuits or um, some vinegar chips or gels or chews or whatever it is, have that um, the grams of carbs on the bag outside and listed on a document so your crew doesn't have to shuffle through paperwork to find it. They can just tick a box. Yep, Rob had three glucose snakes, which was 12 grams of carbs, you know, at three o'clock. So that gets ticked in the three to four hour, uh, sorry, the, the 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. hour box. Hope that makes sense. Make it easy and make a system that's so easy you can hand it between crew members with just a little explanation of how it works. Um, okay, over to social media. Um, my love-hate thing. Beck Standenberg, if you followed me on the social media for the day, did an amazing job of providing updates through videos, um, showing us out in the course, showing the views, um, and just just capturing and documenting what we did. Now, we had um, such a great response to that social media um, thing. And, but, but just people, some of the feedback from the races I've been to is, I was sitting by my computer all day and I couldn't, I wanted to know when, who was coming through checkpoint one or two and it took hours and didn't get updated and I was hanging there. So this is why social media is important when you're, when you're out there as a crew because people who love that runner and love you as the crew and love the race and love the event, they want to know. They want to know where you are, how you're feeling, what you're eating, how you're doing in the race, projected times that you're going to be at the next checkpoint or next or finishing point because they're invested in it. And that's a service that Bex um, provided to, to the people who are following. Um, it's not for everybody in the world to follow. It's for the people who care. So um, that was exceptional. And once again, if you want to go to my Instagram, you can see a highlight reel, a highlight of the stories. Um, from that day and, and Bex has put together this incredible highlight of um, start to finish from starting in the, the frosty ice and snow um, up in the hills the south of uh, Canberra to finishing in Gungahlin in the beautiful sunny afternoon. Uh, okay, so that's, that's the kind of socials and how that all fits in. Um, I want to take you to the fundraising. When you're doing an event, it's really important to know why you're doing it and Later on in this year, the sole purpose of the race across New South Wales is to raise $120,000 for the kids in the Burns Unit at the Westmead Children's Hospital. This ACT was a logistics um, planning mission for us, and we wanted to raise our profile and get more people interested in what we're doing, um, you know, to, to build our following and to inspire more people 
um, to, to follow us and, you know, to get out there and run themselves and to actually go after this record. We want this record to be broken by somebody else. So we wanted to establish it so it's there to be broken. It was so awesome and so surprising for us that we were able to raise $7,600 on that day. Now, I want to send a huge thanks to Shannon Chisholm from EMG um, Environmental Management Group. Uh, he's a specialist in environmental um, management, all these things that I understand, but he is an environmental engineer and an ex- extraordinary consultant who came on board on Wednesday and kicked off our fundraising for us and really got us off to an incredible start. Now, interestingly enough, on Thursday, we, we transferred all that money over straight to the Westmead Children's Hospital Burns Unit. And um, we, in cooperation with um, Fire and Rescue New South Wales 404 Cyclist Charity Fundraising, um, they presented uh, our, our extra money on, on our behalf at the Six, Six Kids Day in a Martin Place in Sydney. They handed over a cheque for $100,000, um, which we were really lucky to be a part of um, and fundraise together with the 404 guys. So a huge thanks to Dan Austin, uh, Scott Hanley, and to Fire and Rescue New South Wales um, Media for helping us to, to do that $100,000 check. And so on Wednesday, all that money that we raised to the Race Across New South Wales, Race Across ACT, goes straight to the burns unit. And it buys things like equipment, like laser um laser treatment for the burns to reduce the scarring for the kids even things like bandages dressings um pain relief all that kind of stuff that goes straight into reducing the suffering of the kids staffing um it it helps the 404 guys were able to put on an extra nurse in that burns unit through the fundraising they did so all the money we we raise helps to pay for that extra staffing research a huge part of burns treatment is to learn is the research into learn how to treat the burns better to reduce the scarring and the psychological effects of burns and that's the last thing it goes to psychological support for the kids but also for the parents and the carers and the loved ones of those kids um, who need to get psychological support so every dollar that you gave on Wednesday um, goes straight to that burns unit um, to reduce those kids' suffering. And I have to tell you, when I was in a bit of a dark place um, in Canberra, I drew on, you know, sometimes when you're running and you go through back through these episodes, you'll learn about how to shift your focus. And one of the ways I shifted my focus on the run, when I started going into, oh, this hurts and, you know, I'm going a bit slow here and looking at my speed and I was going as fast as I could, <laughs> averaging a lot slower pace than I would normally, I went straight to the reason that we're doing this. What I endure when I'm in my little pity party of how much I'm hurting on the road or, or um, you know, I'm not going as well as I want and oh, maybe I could, you know, call it a day here and this will be over. What I endure on that road is absolutely nothing compared to what those kids endure on their long road to recovery from from burns injuries. And that's where I go when I was on that road. I was I was going into the pity party, the dark place, and straight away I remembered what I was there for and then I'm there to, to help those kids. And I'll tell you what, if you've got a cause bigger than yourself, when you're running or when you're doing anything hard, 
You can draw straight on that. Um, it'll get you out of your funk and get you back into complete gratitude for who you who you are or who you're with and what you're doing and your capacity to be able to do the things that you're doing. Um, so I'm going to talk more about that in another podcast. So thanks to everyone who donated. You can still donate straight through our website, robmason.run. You can donate straight there. And um, uh, we'll every dollar that you um, donate will go straight to that burns unit, just as everyone did. So huge thanks to Shannon Chisholm from EMG Environmental Management um, Group um, just for amazing contribution to kick off our fundraising. Now, sponsors I need to thank, Raid Light. So Raid Light Australia, an awesome brand, uh, their kit I'm using is is the best I've ever used. You you see, he um, Raid Light guys have also given our crew um, the gear, and it's just my crew love it. So we're all um, wearing Raid Light shirts. The performance shirts are the best I've ever worn. The light feels like I'm wearing nothing. The caps are beautiful. Socks, um, overpants. I needed um, warm running pants because it was so cold. And Raid Light provided all that stuff for us. Um, they're coming on board again for Race Across New South Wales. And I'm just so proud to be wearing their stuff and to be aligned with them. So check out their stuff. Um, they also do excellent trail shoes, lots of gear. They're a French company um, from the Alps, and they're establishing themselves in Australia. Uh, and they've got some great athletes, Nicholas Bamford, who I'm sure you all have heard of and know, Marie Connor taking on Badwater. So Nick Bamford just won the... Australian 100 mile championships uh, last weekend at Brisbane Valley Rail Trail and um, we're all using red light stuff and loving it. Uh, another big thanks to Lauren Nash from The Fight Dietitian. Check her out. The X is in the the, X, the, the CrossFit Dietitian um, on Instagram. Uh, she shares so much good stuff um, on Instagram that you can follow her and learn more about uh, nutrition stuff. Again, Fire and Rescue New South Wales Media, who are coming on board and supporting us, 404 Charity Ride, running for resilience. I got to run at the dock at Kingston on Wednesday night as my warm down. I went there, I met Matt Breen and Ben Alexander from Running for Resilience, uh, two exceptional guys who have set up this run. If you're in Canberra, get down there. They do three runs a week. The one we went to was the Wednesday, 6 p.m., you run a 6K loop, and then they give you a free beer, which is pretty fantastic. Um, but Matt Breen um, and Ben Alexander have started this and share their own struggles uh, with mental health, and that's why they've put this together, and it's something that's very, very close to my heart. So thank you to um, the boys, uh, Matt Breen and Ben Alexander, from Running for Resilience. Brent Ford. Now, Brent Ford is a host of the Peak Too Soon podcast. Check it out straight away. Subscribe to it and start listening to the incredible interviews. He's a brilliant interviewer. Uh, he works for Capital Radio Network. You might have heard him um, reading the news in Canberra or calling the footy. Uh, he's an ultra runner himself and he really helped us. Um, his support for us, he even he came out to the route and met us and um, came running for resilience that night. Brent to meet you in person and have your support mate it means a lot to me and so check out Brent's podcast um I want to thank my team so I've got this big team I'm going to introduce you to them properly but if you're wondering what it takes to put together this I have got Jay Gaffey who is running the project management alongside Bex Vandenberg um two of the most intelligent um people I've ever met two of the best athletes I've ever met <laughs> uh, and they have got this whole project just humming along um, with in a way that I have 
I could never actually even contemplate doing myself. Um, so we've got, as you know, Ben Gaffey doing routes and vehicles, Jeff Besnard, who's put together the website and community engagement. So he'll be reaching out to all the towns along the route uh, in New South Wales. And we're going to be doing things like running with local running groups and um, hopefully running with some uh, major sponsors along the way and also getting to a couple of schools along the way. Um, Jody Kerno Baker, who does my comms management. Uh, Jody was instrumental on Wednesday. Even though she's in Brisbane, she was running um, all of our socials and making sure everything was was going well. That's why it worked so well alongside uh, Bex's updates from the from the team bus. Uh, Emma Porter. So Emma is doing our sponsorships and partnership stuff, and uh, so this takes a lot of money to make this happen. So before we can raise the money for the kids in the Burns unit, we need sponsors to help us buy things, um, to get accommodation, food, fuel, uh, running kit, um, making sure like all the safety uh, stuff for the police on the roads is complete and just there's so much that goes into it as you can imagine. Uh, so Emma's um, getting sponsors and doing really well at that. If you are looking to partner with us um, for the race across New South Wales, please reach out. You can contact me directly. Um, go to, through the website, robmason.run, um, and you can come on board as a major sponsor. We're getting lots of media attention, as you know, and uh, you'll have your brand well and truly represented uh, on television, on the radio, and through their socials and website. So thanks to Emma for doing that. And, of course, my wife, Carmel, who's um, the, our medical officer looking after all that side of it as well so that I uh, am kept well and happy along the route. So thank you um, for your support in all of this. Um, I hope you got a bit of an insight into what the Race Across ACT was like. Oh, flip from Fire uh, and Rescue ACT. <laughs> Felicity came out with us and organised the trucks um, to come out from Gungarland and from Bell Conan, Kevin Smith, Inspector Kevin Smith from Fire and Rescue New South Wales also reached out to Fire and Rescue ACT and got those trucks out to meet us. Now, now what that gave us was more support along the route. Um, it also brought a, a lot more awareness from the public of what we were doing when the fire trucks kind of, you know, um, not they didn't escort us, but they stayed on the side of the road and they, they I got to shake hands and, and meet the crews from down there as we were on the route. So, all of these people that come together uh, t to make this happen, it just um, I'm so grateful for, and, and you wouldn't be seeing this if it wasn't for the people like that. Thank you for listening. I hope you got an insight into what it takes to put something together, but also I hope you got some tips if you're crewing or if you're running an ultra or a multi-day event uh, that you can you know, take away and, and put into your next event to make it a little bit more streamlined and and more a better experience for you so you're not making the same mistakes twice thanks for all this support and i'll see you in the next episode thanks for listening to the mindset for runners podcast i hope you got something practical and useful out of this podcast or something inspiring to help you get out for your next run if you have a question about Mindset for Runners or athletes in general, please email me at robmason.run at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. And if there's anybody you know who could benefit from the information I share in this podcast, please share it with them. See you next time.